Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dog Backwards, where we look at life, faith, and theology from a different angle. I told you on the last one, we were going to have a really, I would say it's not unique for this podcast, because that kind of seems in the vein of what we were going to talk about anyways around here. We like to look at things that might not be covered uh, by the church in general, but I know a lot of people have questions about. We are going to talk about psychedelics, mushrooms, acid, DMT, the whole range and how that applies to the supernatural world that Christians by default believe in. And is it good? Is it safe? Is it healthy? What about medicinal purposes? Uh, How do we figure this stuff out? Well, luckily, we have a lady by the name of Ashley Land. I said it wrong, right? It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm just going to call you Ashley. Uh, (laughs) Last names throw me off. And she wrote this really fascinating article on the subject that kind of detailed her experience through this journey of dealing with mainly acid, uh, but other psychedelics and just the whole new age movement and how she went from that to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Ashley, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, we're, we're really lucky to have you. And I, when I reached out to you, I told you just, just a small glimpse of kind of my own past, but I haven't always been a Christian. And I considered myself a quote unquote atheist for a while and without God, I could do whatever I wanted. So I have uh, not probably not as much as you do, but I have some experience with psychedelics and your article made me kind of start thinking back again and asking some questions about the experiences that I had. And I had never tried to put them in a Christian worldview. I just figured it was just messing with my brain, but maybe there's something more supernatural to that. So Tell us, how did you get started into taking psychedelics and things like that? Yeah, I, uh, so I grew up kind of nominally Christian, I guess. I was raised um, going to a Methodist church um, here and there. It wasn't a huge part of our lives. I had a wonderful childhood in a lot of ways, but it was, it was kind of easy for me once I was a teenager. to. I didn't really have a strong foundation in, in faith and didn't really ever feel like I fully understood who Jesus was or really knew him or had any kind of intimacy with him. So it was pretty easy when I was a teenager to just kind of write it off. Then I started getting into, uh, I don't know, I guess you'd call, say, countercultural things, you know, reading books and listening to music that I probably had no business <laughs> reading or listening to. Uh, but I was just fascinated by, you know, this subculture and counterculture. And uh Gosh, I probably tried marijuana, I think a couple times in high school, wasn't really that into it. And then in college, I got into drinking as a lifestyle. And but toward the end of college, one of my friends happened to bring over some psilocybin mushrooms one night, it was my senior year of college. And I didn't really know very much about it. I read a little bit here and there, but I didn't know that much about it. And, but I thought, you know, why not? Um, And I took them and had, had a really, what I felt at the time was a very interesting experience. Um, And I, I really enjoyed it. really liked it. And, but I was still an atheist. It really didn't, um, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't seem spiritual to me at that point. And, um, but as I went on, gosh, probably a year later, I was trying to, I decided that it was time for me to be able to intellectually argue my atheism in a really effective way, (laughs) you know, to the extent that I was able. And so I started reading 
a lot of the new atheist literature and just just felt like I was on this quest. And, and it's interesting looking back now, it was never about investigating the claims of Christianity or even the claims of any religion. For me, it was just foregone conclusion. There is no God. <laughs> I'm going to be able, you know, when I come up against someone who believes I'm going, I need to be able to, you know, argue against them effectively. Um, but anyway, around, around that time, I met a man who I was, I was always asking people um, if they had mushrooms, because I wanted to do it again. And I think I, gosh, in the intervening year, I think I did it once or twice. And anyway, I, I met this man that I was talking to and he said, well, I don't have mushrooms, but I have LSD. And I said, oh, sure. You know, same thing, whatever. And, um, so, so he came over to my apartment. I was living in Kansas city at the time and he came over and, and looking back, it's just so, so incredibly reckless because he was more or less a stranger to me, but we, we took LSE and I had a, a very intense and psychologically shattering experience. And it was after that, that I really, really started to think maybe there was more than I had realized in the world. (laughs) And, um, I definitely wasn't a materialist atheist anymore after that, but that took me down a road of, uh, really idolizing psychedelics in LSE in particular. And part of that was, it was just the most readily available one to me at that time. But I also loved it. I loved it and hated it, you know? Um, and that, yeah, it took me down a road of all kinds of different various new age ideologies and Hinduism, Buddhism, just kind of a grab bag of anything except for Jesus. I was still very closed off to Jesus. You know, if, if we would to like end your story there, it would sound very Joe Rogan-ish, right? Mm, like yeah. he has really popularized the yeah. use of psychedelics. He has the largest audience of not just podcasts, but kind of information of anybody out there right now. And he very yeah. openly and freely talks about how great it is and ayahuasca oh, yeah. and his guest. It's a regular discussion. Mm-hmm. So it does seem to be like there is this renaissance of the use of psychedelics and people are much more interested now because it's becoming normal, normalized. Yeah, now, yeah, for sure. In, in the 60s, uh, it was very popular, especially like LSD. I never had a good experience on LSD. It was, it was never yeah. positive. Mushrooms, yeah. I don't know if it was, I wouldn't say they were good or bad. They were neutral. Uh, they were interesting. I would say like, you know, I would see Buddha floating above a flame for six hours, just like, just things like that. Um, but I never connected it to supernatural. I didn't think of it as a Mm -hmm. supernatural experience. I was just like, this drug is going to do things to my brain and make me see things that aren't there. Now, do you find that it is, people say it's a renaissance of psychedelics. Is that true? Is that somewhat related to the kind of popularity of Joe Rogan and things like that? Oh, I think for sure. And I, I haven't listened. I know, I know that about Joe Rogan. I don't listen to him a ton because I homeschool my kids and they're always with me and he cusses so much. (laughs) Um, But I have listened to clips here and there and, and it just astonishes me. He had, oh, who was Michael Pollan, who you might've heard of, who wrote, who wrote, he's a journalist and he wrote a whole book called How to Change Your Mind. I think it was published in 2018. And I read that a couple of times in preparation for it. Well, I'd read it previously and then I read it again in preparation for the podcast and he's definitely biased, but on the Joe Rogan show, I watched a clip of him and he said something about, um, I think it was when he took DMT and he said, you know, it wasn't, 
it wasn't like all that, Michael Pollan was saying, it wasn't all that was spectacular. And Joe Rogan just immediately was like, well, you didn't take enough. You should, you should take more. You yeah. didn't take enough. And I was just, I was like, I just felt like this is so irresponsible, you know, like telling people that. And I, yeah, I know he's a huge, huge enthusiast and has all kinds. I think he's had Dennis McKenna on his show, who's Terrence McKenna's brother. Um, yeah. And all kinds of people like that. And I, yeah, I think there absolutely is a renaissance. And I think, you know, I've thought about it a lot, obviously. It's, and I, it's interesting. This is not the direction that I, I thought God would take me like in my writing and in my, you know, I didn't, I haven't taken psychedelics in, I think it's been eight years, nine years was the last time I, I grew my own mushrooms and, yeah. and had a horrible time. And as I wrote about in the essay yeah, in your article. and, but I, you know, it, to me, it was in, it was in the past. And for a long time too, I just, I really didn't want to talk about it because I was just so traumatized and scarred by all of it. Um, but yeah, I think there is a renaissance and I think, I think it's symptomatic of the fact that people are hungry for God and we live in an increasingly secularized society, but people are still hungry for transcendence. People are, and this is something that, you know, it's, it's, it's ready made. Like you can, you can take a substance and you will have what seems to be a spiritual experience, you know, whether there's an authentic spiritual dimension or not, or it's a epiphenomena of our brain. I, I, I'm inclined to think that there is a legitimate spiritual dimension to it. Not a good one, you know, right. but that no. there is. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I was talking, I just had Dr. Hugh Ross on, who's the astrophysicist. Yes. And we uh -huh. were talking about yeah. aliens and his conclusion was that there are things that are real, but not physical. Mm -hmm. And he cited all of this evidence that I was kind of blown away by. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I would say it's real, but it's demonic. And yeah. that's one of the things, and Lee Strobel and I were talking about heaven and near-death experiences, and when yeah. people die, the things they saw. And that's really kind of what got me going down this road, thinking about, you know, when I did psychedelics, I never saw Jesus, but I would see yeah. other deities uh, yeah. that have existed throughout time. I was right. not Buddhist. I was not interested in Buddhism. Yeah. But why, when I take it, would I see this chubby fat guy, which I never mm -hmm. understood why somebody would learn self-discipline from an overweight guy. Um, <laughs> that's a dumb joke. Um, but I always like, I was like, I started to remember like, why was that part of my yeah. experience? Yeah. And yeah. is there a supernatural, maybe not a, in, in the good sense, supernatural connection okay. when people take these things, they see colors, maybe they might not have ever seen before. They see geometric yeah. shapes. Mm -hmm. um, and math is kind of the language of science. So maybe that geometry, is it kind of a pulling apart of the veil and seeing a world that is around us that is there, but we aren't normally open to see? You know, I have struggled with this so much because I, and certainly, you know, I, I, I always want to be very careful about the way I speak about it because I never want to entice someone, obviously. Like, ultimately, it boils down to, I think, whether it, it opens one up to a spiritual dimension or not, which I'm inclined to think it does. It's not the prescribed way that God has given us to him. Like, God has given us Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you, my kids and I were just reading today, John 14 or 15, where Jesus talks about like anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate is a thief and a robber. And I've, I've wondered about that, if that could be like in some way analogous to, 
to psychedelics. It's like we are accessing a spiritual realm. And I think even through through meditation, which I was somewhat into meditation, I think there are, you know, real spiritual things that are going on. Um, but I think ultimately uh, what's so scary too about the, the psychedelic renaissance is, is that, you know, we are, are so not in control of these experiences. Like they're so psychedelics are wildly, wildly variable. You know, I could have the most fantastic trip of my life one weekend and the next weekend I had the most hellish trip I've ever had that I was scarred from for weeks. And so I think they're very, they're very deceiving um and they're very I mean they're very risky and they're very dangerous and there are people as much as you know this new wave of psychedelic research has tried to minimize this there are plenty of people who do not come back from you know from using using psychedelics yeah it's almost like they like uh the military term from like world war one world war two is uh, shell shocked when somebody sees something so awful they never come back from it mentally and there are people who are shell-shocked from Mm -hmm. the experiences they have on these drugs for sure and it seems like we a we're curious people and if someone says hey all you got to do is take this and we're so conditioned just to take a pill for whatever Mm -hmm. problem someone's like hey if you're trying to see what the universe is all really about and discover the deep mystical truths it's like a gateway to gnosticism right like there's some secret knowledge that you don't have and all you got to do is eat a mushroom and people are like, right. oh, we eat mushrooms all the time. If you have right. pizza, you eat a mushroom. And so it seems so easy, but yet yeah. I can't think of anything biblically. Um, I'm not even sure. And you might know more about this than I do. Were these kind of things present in Jerusalem or surrounding areas during the time of Jesus? Did Rome bring these in? Is this, mm. you know, people try to make like, it was it was just really interesting diving. And back in the day, I had had so many books about psychedelics and LSD and mushrooms and different histories of them. And um, I ended up getting rid of almost all of those. But I kind of, you know, I kind of was like, darn, I did like a, was it Acts 19? I was like, I'm just going to burn all this. I'm going to get rid of it. And I was like, well, that would have been useful, you know, to have that knowledge. But I just had to trust that God was going to provide the knowledge I needed. But But it's interesting. It seems like you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Like, I feel like it's gone even farther in people trying, as far as people trying to like justify or legitimize psychedelics by pointing to different things in history, suggesting like, oh, well, that must have been. And I think I said this on Unbelievable, that it it does become, and it became, I remember I was this way, it becomes this totalizing theory for people where they think, oh, like it must have, every religious impulse must have originated from psychedelics. So people point to the Eleusinian mystery cult of Greece. They say, oh, well, they must have been tripping. Although nobody's ever been able to recreate this brew that they, this psychedelic brew that they supposedly had. And um, there's a book called, the Mushroom and the Sacred Cross, I think by John Allegro that was published in the seventies and Brian Mayorescu, the guy who's, um, he wrote the immortality key, which is kind of like a, you know, recapitulation of all those theories that, um, yeah, that even Christianity originated, or I don't know, I haven't read Brian Mayorescu's book. I think his thing might be that, um, Christianity suppressed these like cults that use mushrooms, you know, and suppress this secret knowledge of, um, but when you actually look 
at the anthropological evidence, like it really just isn't there. And there's even um, supposedly that really the only thing that anyone has found archeologically uh, that they try to tie to Judaism and Christianity is there was some like cannabis resin in a eighth, eighth century BC altars, you know, somewhere in the Middle yeah. East. And they try to say, but I mean, that's so scant, like, I, and I'm not a historian or archeologist, but I would think like that, that would not be considered anywhere near sufficient to build this entire theory <laughs> upon, you know, yet I feel like that's what, that's really what people try to do. And we don't have any kind of like intertestamental writings that right. are dealing with these kind of subjects pro or yeah. con like it's just kind of silent yeah. on it um yeah. now i am inclined to believe that you know we're not the first people to discover pot you know like that's kind of probably yeah. been around for a long time sure. um yeah but there's a, there's a big leap from marijuana to lsd it's right. a large you know um psychoactive jump and what right. happens from the taking of those uh, but I, I do know Joe Rogan mentioned, uh, you know, something that I think you've mentioned is people say, oh, the burning bush, he was on drugs. Right. And yeah. sure, if one guy has an experience, I can see how people will use that and they'll use psychedelics as kind of a, you know, a big paintbrush just to cover all supernatural right. experiences. Oh, they were yeah. on drugs because yeah. it's easy and it's convenient. Right. But when you have the disciples all have such similar experiences, it's not like they saw Jesus in the same way people saw Bigfoot, right? Like where right. I just saw yeah. him out of the corner of my eye and I was in the third realm and all this stuff. They're like, yeah. you know, we sat and we ate with them and mm -hmm. you can go talk to him too. It, it's, yeah. uh, it's kind of a, a weak argument. It when is. It comes, and we, and we saw him eat. I always think that these, that detail is so fascinating to me. And, and to me it points to the veracity. Cause it's like, why would you make that up? You know, it's such a right. bizarre thing to, yeah, it's just, yeah. Now the conversation, and we've had this on our podcast a long time ago, we had a Christian doctor come on and talk about the medical benefits of marijuana and Oklahoma is per capita, one of the largest uh, areas for dispensaries. I oh, mean, we really? have more okay, dispensaries than gas stations on a street now. Like it is just wow. exploded here. Yeah. Um, and so we had conversations about, is this helpful? Is it not? And my personal belief is, is that it can be medically useful, <laughs> but most people lack the self-control um, I don't think anything should be smoked or, or anything like that because there's no way to control your dosage. But if, if there's oils or something that you can control your doses to deal with, maybe either it's trauma, PTSD, or a temporary relief of anxiety so that you can work through it. I, I don't think any of that stuff's good long-term. Um, yes. I think it's, it is an option uh, if you and your physician get together and decide that it's better for you than some other kind of antidepressant. But when it comes to psychedelics, I'm thinking of like ayahuasca or DMT. That's where a lot of the push is right now is mm -hmm. to normalize these things, not through yeah. a recreational use. They're taking the same route that marijuana did and using it for a medical use. Is there any valid medical reason to take these kind of substances? You know, obviously I'm speaking from someone with personal experience, not a doctor, obviously. I'm, a, I'm inclined to say no. And most of the people, I, I just feel like, so there was a, 
think he's a clinical psychologist. He's a professor at Wheaton that I talked to because he's he's actually planning to write a book on psychedelics. And he was talking about how his opinion, he felt that like low doses of MDMA, which MDMA is not a classic psychedelic. It's not um, like LSD and psilocybin and DMT in, in several of its qualities. And I actually, I took ecstasy MDMA once and I thought it was, it was strange because it, it felt to me more like a happy pill. Like it wasn't like that, you know, adventure and extremes of experience thing that, that I loved slash hated with LSD. And he said he felt that perhaps low doses of MDMA could facilitate talk therapy. And, and he's a professor at a Christian college. I don't know if I mentioned that Wheaton. Yeah. And he said though, what's, what's going on the most of the research that's being done now and which I've observed is giving people really high doses, particularly of psilocybin. It seems like psilocybin is the, the biggest research, you know, uh, substance right now. And he said, he said, he thinks he used this analogy. It was really interesting. He said he felt, you know, MDMA could kind of loosen the bonds of this trauma. He uses hands like this, so I'm, uh, you know, through, through talk therapy. But he said in that case, he felt even in that case, it's really, it's the talk therapy that's actually effectuating the change. And he said he felt like with the high doses of psychedelics that the psychologists and the psychiatrists were hoping is it's like a, just to detonate, you know, kind of like yeah. a scorched earth approach that they're just going to blow this trauma up. And, but he said, the assumption is that things are going to come back together as they should. But he said, how do you know things aren't going to come back together? You know, like all, sorry, my hands, yeah. like all twisted and all. And I found that, and I found that to be true in my experience. And I feel like it took me years, you know, by the grace of God to, to heal from everything that happened. Granted, you know, I'm sure people will say, well, you took it too much or, you know, but I, I don't know, you know, and I've, I've really struggled with that question and I'm inclined to say no, but it, it, it at the same time, it, it is difficult to argue with someone's subjective experience of saying, you know, I was stuck in depression for 20 years and this, yeah. this helped me. I, I just don't, I don't know that I believe it's a long-term solution to anything. And of course, ultimately from my perspective as a Christian, I believe you know, Christ alone is the, is the long-term solution. I would feel not like, that, not that, yeah. you know, God, all, not that God, you know, heals everyone of their depression and anxiety, um, on this, you know, in this life anyway, but, but yeah, so I've struggled with that question, but I'm inclined to say no. Yeah. I'm inclined to say no. I would feel like there's also, though there might be a couple of people that say it really benefited from them. I wonder how rarely we hear from those if you're already going in with trauma and you've yeah. already got things that you're really struggling with, yeah, these could be extremely destructive yeah. um, because all your worst fears, all your worst nightmares mm -hmm. can show up and you, oh, yeah. you could be in a good mood. You could be having a great day and one little thing could take that journey and send it a different way Oh yeah, that sure. destroys you for a long time. Yes. So I think yes. we often hear from the, the people who do these kind of experiments often want to show the benefits. And so there might be, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but they're not going yeah. to promote the people whose lives have been devastated by it as well. Right. They're, they're going to point to the people who have, Oh yeah, that's really helped me out. Right. And there's, there's just so much we don't know about this. Yeah. Stuff. And 
there's a difference when we're talking about medicine, but I think most people, especially it's weird. We've become much more of a new age culture. Even the church mm -hmm. is more willing to entertain new age stuff. Some of the things I see from certain charismatic churches, yeah. the people ah! screaming just hysterically on the floor as they flop mm -hmm. around that to me, looks very similar to people that I've seen have really bad acid trips where there's yeah, yeah, like, they have that. no control and they're just screaming in pain. Yeah. They want to yeah. die, you know, yeah. and somebody's over there like, Oh, it's the Holy spirit. I'm like, mm, like <laughs> the Holy spirit, that, that Holy spirit hurting somebody. Right. Um, but it seems we're, we're much more open to new age stuff, even within the church. And I think we have to be really careful yeah. about that. Yeah. Now, before yeah. we started recording, we were talking about how the church might have handled this stuff in the 60s when psychedelics and things like that were very big. Yeah. But I think the way the church handled it uh, might not have been beneficial because mm. it was it was more just. Uh, what was that? Uh, the marijuana propaganda from back in the day where if you smoke this, you're going to go insane, right? Like, oh, Reefer so, Madness. Yeah, Reefer yeah. Madness. Yeah, the old movie right. Reefer Madness. Yeah. yeah, we might have done some of that. And yeah. so people just lost trust in us. So yeah. I think it's good that we have these conversations now yeah. for people that are psychedelically curious to say, right. we understand why you're curious, but don't. It, it's not healthy. What right. you said, uh, so your last time on mushrooms about eight years ago, didn't go well. Is that why no. you became a Christian? Kind of explain the transition for me. Um, there were, I feel like several different threads, you know, that God was, was pulling at, at the time. And the psychedelics were certainly part of it. I just had clung to them for so long as my primary, they really were my primary spirituality. I mean, I had yoga on the side. I was very devoted to yoga and different strains of yoga philosophy and kind of into Hinduism, Buddhism, light, you know, like I said, just kind of a grab bag of, of whatever. The, the universe. Of the, yes. The of universe will give, yeah. It, it yeah. means nothing. It's such a blanket term. Which I'm very fascinated by that as an aside. I'm very fascinated by that because I think you, when I hear people say that, I think, well, you're just attributing characteristics of God to the universe. So you're still deifying some, you know, you're, but you're deifying creation. It's it's just really fascinating to me how 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 that. And I feel like I've heard people talk that way too about the mushroom. Like the mushroom showed me this. Like the mushroom, you know, or LSD. Like LSD showed me. LSD gave me this insight. LSD, and it's it's really it's really interesting. The same um, thing when people say I'm spiritual but not religious. So I'm very right. spiritual. I was like, yeah. well, Charles Manson was spiritual. Right. Oh yeah. So yeah. You're going to have to define your terms because that could mean, you know, I'm a devil worshiper, right? Like just right. saying you're spiritual, but it's said in a positive way. Well, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Like it's more open, right. which I think right. it just means I haven't thought through any of this. I just like the words. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I like the, the idea. And I would have said that back in the day because I like the idea of there being a vague something. But at the same time, I didn't want to be accountable. To, you know, I, I did, it was kind of like holding having this impersonal God that I just held at arm's length and I, you know, vaguely believe was there. I didn't have any real kind of substantial faith in and wasn't accountable to, didn't have a relationship with, but, but I just like the idea. Yeah. Um, and by the, you know, the same, the same principle applies with 
like when we say you can't have a psychedelic or a spiritual experience with psychedelics, well, that doesn't mean it's positive. It just means it's a, you know, it's a spiritual experience. Um, So yeah, I thought I was just so devoted to psychedelics and, and I, I would have said that I, I believed in God and this was my pathway to God, but really it was, I, I love the drug, you know, I love the, I love the drugs. And so I got to the point where I could not have a good trip on LSD anymore. Try as I might, I just could not have a good trip. And, you know, we tried all kinds of different things. And I think I mentioned in the, in the essay or in the podcast that I actually met my husband at our acid dealer's house, which is always an interesting story to tell, you know, in church yeah. circles. Uh, and so we were both into it, you know, and we, we tried different settings. We tried this and I just, I tried chanting and meditating and I just could not have a good trip anymore. And I thought, and so I just got into all kinds of crazy rationalizing about it. And I thought, well, maybe there is something to the, you know, some people will say, well, LSD is a chemical and psilocybin is natural. And so I thought, okay, maybe I should just go back to mushrooms because they're natural. You know, how can, how can that be harmful? They're natural. And that will, that will give me a good trip again. And so I decided to grow them and um, yeah. And we ate a a pretty big dose. And I remember it was like, right as soon as I started tripping as soon as they said and it was like right back to the same place and um and it was interesting that that trip I was the house we lived in at the time it had like a two bedrooms a Jack and Jill bathroom and then the living room and then the kitchen was over here but you you could walk around and like pass through the bedroom bathroom bedroom back through the living room and I remember my husband was just sitting on the couch and I was just walking that same, like practically wearing a rut in the floor over and over again. And it was such a, such a profound analogy for what I was doing in life. Mm. And I remember I kept feeling like, I kept saying, where is God? And I kept feeling like I was chasing after him and I would just, I would just miss him. Like I would just feel something like whisk around the corner and, and, you know, it sounds kind of comical, but it was very, it was, it was intensely sorrowful at the time. And we also happened, we actually were going to a Christian church at that time. Um, But I obviously, I still had one foot firmly planted in in the new age psychedelic world. And I hadn't fully surrendered to Jesus at that point. And we also, as I I read about in my essay, I also had a good friend from childhood who I had, I had kept in touch with and we we would have, she she had children too. And so we'd have playdates every so often and I would spout whatever new age babble I was into. And, and she would just very gently, um, in just a very tender way would, would counter it by saying, well, um, the Bible says, you know, the Bible says this and quote something from the Bible. And, and I would just kind of inwardly roll my eyes, you know, and not, and then she had a, uh, we'll see my son and her daughter were about the same age and, and her daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. It was just very sudden died, died three weeks later. So it was just so fast, so tragic, so sad. And I remember going to her daughter was named Joella. And I remember going to her funeral and and I was definitely at a, at a spiritually desolate point by then, you know, I felt like psychedelics have failed me, but I just, I don't know about this Jesus person. I've just been fighting, you know, fighting this for so long, like avoiding anything to do with Christianity while meanwhile embracing everything else that, that, um, yeah, I was just really wrestling with it. But like I said, I was also to this point of desperation and, 
um, it was really her witness, I'd say it was really instrumental in that whole, you know, it was like a whole, <laughs> that's how God works. I feel like there were yeah. all these different factors weaving together um, and people who were influencing me. And, and I'm sure my mom was praying for me, had been praying for me for years. Um, so yeah, that's a, in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> so this journey and, and I think I was having a thought while, while I was listening and I think there, if there are benefits that come from psychedelics, if anything, it makes us hungry for mm. the authentic, yeah. right? Like there's, yeah. there's the counterfeit and it's like yes. you took the counterfeit for so long. Eventually you get tired of the counterfeit mm. um, yeah. and you started to go, okay, but I want more. Yeah. So scripture is clear. I think when it comes to these kind of things. Like it's okay to have a drink, an alcoholic drink, but there are yeah. strict commands that we be sober minded, that we don't allow these things to control us, that we don't be mastered by anything. Yeah. And as soon as you take a psychedelic, you lose sober mindedness. Yeah. There's not, you know, there's not just like, oh, I'm just going to have a little bit. It's going to have an effect that impairs your judgment in some sense. Yeah. And if we live in a supernatural world where I can open a door and allow God into my life, then wouldn't yeah. it make sense that I could open a door and allow other things into my life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. There was yeah. a book. I think I have it up here somewhere. I read many years ago and I don't really recommend it. Uh, so even if I say it, don't go out and buy it, but it's called when pigs <laughs> move in. Hmm. And it's about uh, the guy who was demon possessed and about how possession happens and oh, the things that we okay. allow into our life. It's yeah. a little out there and I don't recommend the things <laughs> it prescribes to deal with stuff, but okay. it is the idea that, Hey, we can open the door to anything. Mm -hmm. Like we might be physical and we might live in a physical world, but at the same time, we are still, there's an aspect of us that is beyond the natural Call it our consciousness, call it our yeah. soul, whatever it is, there yeah. is an aspect of us that exists in a realm that is more than just the natural. And we have yes. to be careful what doors outside of the natural we open and let into our lives because we yeah. don't know how that's going to affect us in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. When yeah, you became sure. a Christian, did you have to deal with any of the stuff emotionally or mentally that you had experienced and saw during those times? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like, and that's why it's fascinating to me, this, um, you know, movement to use psychedelics as a treatment for anxiety and depression, because I feel like Granted, I did have issues with um, panic and anxiety when I was a child, just not all the time, you know, but just episodic. But but I feel, I suspect that psychedelics greatly exacerbated all of that. And I actually, um, gosh, like six months after I discovered LSD and took it for the first time, and I was, it was, like I said, at that, at that time, it was readily available uh, through some friends of mine, and I took it probably twice a week, three times a week. And sometimes I would microdose, but then like, you know, Friday or Saturday night was usually my big dose night. And I ended up, I was just getting so far out there. I, it's ironic because I think you can feel like you're really getting somewhere spiritually and like, you're like right on the verge of some great revelation and discovery. And yet I, at the same time, I felt like I was becoming further and further alienated from actual reality and from the people around me and from, and I couldn't, I couldn't explain to people what I was experiencing, but I felt like I had constructed this entire fantasy world around 
things that I would see and things that I would experience on psychedelics. And anyway, all of that to say, I completely broke down and voluntarily checked into a mental institution for a week. But I convinced myself at that time that it wasn't the LSE. <laughs> it, it was it was something else. It wasn't that. So it was like the day after I got out, I took LSE again. And, and I look back and think, wow, that was foolish. But but it was almost like I had this, I don't know, like a Stockholm syndrome with it, you know, where I I felt I was enslaved to it, but I didn't believe, I believed that it was saving me. I believed that it was, it was um, sanctifying me, you know, to use Christian language. And um, yeah. It becomes an addiction, even though they say, oh, it's not chemically, anything that makes you feel good to some degree or another, or even anything that um, disrupts what you are normally doing, right? Like anything that changes perspective or can change your mood. Anything that impairs judgment can be addicting. Absolutely. So when people say pot's not addicting, I'm like, I know people who have had a really hard time. Oh yeah. Quitting. So there's lots of things. Uh, Sugar is addicting, right? Yes. Our our lives are surrounded by things that are addicting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting that you go to get this mental help, and your first thought isn't maybe I should stop taking psychoactive drugs that rearrange my brain chemicals, right? No. Um, Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. It, It was. I think psychedelics and people, like you said, people love to say that they're not addictive and they're not addictive by the same mechanism, you know, that I would think I've actually never tried heroin or cocaine, thank God, but, oh, but I was into speed at the same time I was into psychedelics. I wouldn't take them together, but speed would always be like my next day drug, you know, so I could spend hours and hours drawing or writing, um, you know, things that just didn't make sense at all. But um, so I don't think they're addictive. Psychedelics are addictive by the same mechanism. Like you don't have physical withdrawal. You don't have physical craving yet. I feel like they, they can be intensely psychologically addictive. And it was interesting. I read in one of the, in one of the studies that I was able to read, I wish that I, you know, had like an academic past so I could read the entirety of all these studies, but some of them are available online. And one of the subjects for one of the Johns Hopkins depression studies he said, uh, with psilocybin, he said that for gosh, like six to 12 months afterward, he did feel so much better. And his depression that he had been living under for, you know, 15 years had alleviated, but now, you know, a year or so on, he was back in the same place. And he said, he said, Oh, I really wish that I could do it again, but, but it's not available to me. So I look at that and think like that there absolutely is, like you said, anything that is, that we can take that is changing our consciousness, you know, that is, that is changing our normative reality, I think can be addictive. And it's interesting. I was going to say earlier, um, Ram Dass, who I'm sure you've probably heard of. He was, uh, originally, originally Richard Albert. He was one of the professors at Harvard in the sixties who alongside Timothy Leary, uh, actually ended up getting kicked out of Harvard (laughs) because, um, of this, of this experiment, he, the Good Friday experiment he did, among other things. And um, he said that, and I look back and think, wow, but he said that he believed that LSD was the second coming of Christ, and which I was like, oh, sure, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and he said, because God knew that Americans needed something material, so he gave us something material. And obviously, you know, I no longer believe that LSD is the second coming yeah. of Christ, but I can see what he was saying about the material, you know, the materialism. And like, like we were talking about earlier, like you can ingest this substance and bam, 
have, you know, have a spiritual experience. So I think, I think absolutely is, it is addictive if, if by a different mechanism than other traditional drugs of addiction. I think I was in high school and I was reading Design for Dying by Timothy Leary. I might got the name okay. of that wrong. Okay. Where yeah. as he was dying, he was talking about what was going to happen next. And uh, a lot of it had to do with his psychedelic use. Yeah. Um, and so now you, you've combined kind of your, your future and your current life with Christ uh-huh. with some of the interesting facets of your past, especially in your art. So uh, yeah. you are an artist and yes. if people go to your website, they can see how there is this very psychedelic, uh, there's, there's a hint of psychedelic, or I don't know how much you want to say of it is psychedelic, yeah. but, uh, of that kind of artwork, um, that you combine. And I thought that was really interesting. I went to art school for several semesters oh, okay. Okay. and it was mushrooms. I want to say, is, mm. I can't blame it on the mushrooms why I didn't finish. Um, yeah. But that was what I spent most of my time doing. It was my okay. lack of self-discipline. But I was yeah. like, that was part of the art for me. That was like, I was going to see and I could be in touch and, you know, understand things that I didn't see before. And I would yeah. infuse that into my artwork. And then the next day, as my mind was cleared up, I'd be like, that's, that's a mess. Yeah. What I was thinking. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about your artwork and how you combine the two. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you asked about that. Cause that's honestly, that's something that I struggle with a little bit, you know, cause people have looked at my artwork and said like, Whoa, that's trippy. You know? And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to have that association or, or feel like I'm promoting, obviously, you know, don't want to feel like I'm promoting the use of psychedelics, but at the same time, all those geometric patterns, which, which I love. And I always loved intricate patterns even before I had ever taken psychedelics like I was just always very attracted to intricate patterns and I think a lot of those patterns I'm like well those belong to God like you can see those in nature you know you can see that succulent cacti you can see these patterns in nature and so um and it's interesting if I if I look at the the work that I actually produced when I was taking psychedelics, I look back and think, like you said, like, wow, that's a mess, you know, and I don't think I even have anything up on my website that I actually produced when I was actually using psychedelics. And so now I look at it as, and I, and I hope I'm right. <laughs> and I hope, I hope that it's okay that I still use some of those elements and, and the bright colors and the, I, I just love, you know, and, I'm just, and I look at it as <sighs> psychedelics did shape who I, who I am. They just did because they were a huge part of my life for eight years and, or yeah, at least six or seven years. And I look at it as, you know, God working all things for our good. And I feel like there are are elements of it that, that aren't even necessarily exclusive to the psychedelic experience that, that God has, you know, I guess, drawn from my experience and is now using for his good and his glory, because I do make sure now with every piece that I make that it's pretty explicitly Christian, you know, like I'll usually have scripture in it. I'll have crosses in it. I'll have, and, and the other, you know, another aspect of that too is like, well, I wonder if, if, um, one thing I was going to say earlier, I think I think it is important for people like you and people like me to be speaking about this because we have actual experience. You know, if a Christian comes along, and and I'm not saying that that Christians shouldn't, you know, caution people about drugs, but 
but I just know, I just, I'm sorry. We just got a new You're puppy. Okay. <laughs> He's being very loud. Yeah. Um, and um, I would have back in the day, I would not have listened to someone who had not actually taken psychedelics. Cause yeah. I'd be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you've never taken them. And, and so I think with my artwork, like, well, it may, perhaps if that can catch someone's attention, you know, who's immersed in that entire world and they look at it more closely and they say, wait a second, why is there scripture in this? You know, why is there, then hopefully that could be, I don't know, like maybe an evangelistic tool, but, but I'm glad you asked that because I have, I have struggled with, Oh, should I make this? Should I tone this down? You know, should no, I make this I... look less trippy? But, but at the same time, that the bright colors and geometric patterns—it's just—it's just what I'm attracted to. Yeah, it's and not I, like yeah. it's not like druggies have ownership of certain patterns and colors. Right. And can't use yeah. Exactly. So what I've yeah. always believed is we worship the God of all creativity. Yet Christians are sometimes the most uncreative people. Yeah. So I think exactly. it's good. I like. I'm encouraged when I see creativity um from yeah. a christian and yeah. i don't think we need to be worried about i, I wonder if you know they don't have yeah. ownership of that well yeah. actually thank you so much for your time yeah. um it, it answered some questions for me i just kind of was curious on this and so i really appreciate you taking your time to to answer some of these questions if people want to read a i'm going to leave uh, a link to the article that you wrote which was very well written but if they want to know more about you, where can they go? Give your address to your website. Okay. Yeah, it's just www.ashleylandy.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, okay. Ashley. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much.